to and if it's God's will and if he desires. And, and so we want to actually know what God's will is. We want to actually know what his purpose is for our lives. Um, you know, a lot of people have questions. Is it God's will for me to go back to school? Is, this, is it God's will for me to go to this church? Is it God's will for me to get married? Is it God's will for me to marry this person? Is it God's will for me to take this job, enter this business proposition? We have these questions, and I want to help believers understand that we can actually know God's will, that we can actually have a full revelation and understanding of that. And last week, we saw that it all starts with having a right relationship. And so we talked about what does God look like. And remember, I showed you all some pictures that we pulled off the Internet of what people have a mental image of what their God looks like. And it's, a, it's not an image of someone that you want to get to know. It's not an image of someone that wants to get to know you, that, wants to, that has a great plan for you. But we know Jeremiah 29.11 says, uh, For I know the plans that I have for you, for good and not of evil, to, to bring you a hope, to bring you a purpose. This is, the, this is what God says about us. But our image of God is skewed. Our image of God has been, uh, has been deteriorated. And so now we have a hard time going to God with questions. We have a hard time knowing if He really cares about us or if He really wants us to know His will. So we had to first get the relationship right. We had to first get our picture of who God is. And so we saw last week that our uh, relationship is based upon how much we put into it, how much we invest in Remember we looked at Jesus? And throughout Jesus' ministry, he didn't just do the things that he did, and he wasn't so in tune with God on a daily basis just because he was the Son of God. But we looked in John chapter 5, verse 30, and the Bible says that he said, Jesus said, I don't seek my own will, but I seek my Father's will. Well, what does that tell us? That tells us that just as you and I on a daily basis have to seek God's will, Jesus had to seek God's will. He made it a priority to pray. He made it a priority to commune with His Father, to spend time with His Father. There were times He would stay up all night on the side of a mountain praying. Why? Because He knew what I'm doing in the earth needs to reflect my God and needs to reflect my Father. And so the only way I'm going to be able to do that is by communing with Him, communicating with Him, spending time with Him, and just getting to know Him. And so that was the first area that we have to fix in getting rid of the if question. You'll never have a confidence in a relationship or have a confidence in a person if we don't fix the relationship. If you feel there's a wall there, if you feel the relationship's broken, if you feel that the person's mad at you, you know, I mean, if you think your spouse is mad at you, you're not so liberally and freely going to them and, and asking them for something or, or asking them to do something. So if we fix the relationship, then it'll t- that's one more step towards getting rid of the if question and knowing God's will. And today, the title of my message is In the Know. Uh, you know, you've probably heard sometimes it's not always good to be in the know, and some people just want to be in the know. But today I'm going to tell you that it is good to be in the know. And God wants us to be in the know when it comes to His will and to His plan. So today what I'm going to do mostly is I'm just going to go through the Bible and I'm going to show you that it is God's will for us to know His will. A lot of us have an if question on if He wants me to know. Well, we're going to eradicate that day. We're going to get rid of that. 
And we're going to see that God wants us to know. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. Ephesians 1 verse 15. It says, Therefore I also, this is Paul speaking to the churches, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. What's he praying? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. So Paul is praying here, and he's saying, I'm praying for the church daily. When I pray for you, I'm praying that you will have the, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. That you may have the knowledge of Christ. This is what Paul's praying. Why would Paul be praying for something that we couldn't have? Why would Paul spend so many days praying that we could know something or have wisdom of, and spirit of of wisdom and revelation if we couldn't know. And so we've got a church that's that's in this posture of we can't know God's ways are higher than our ways, God's thinking is higher than our thinking, and we never try to get there. Now, I'm not denying the fact that God's ways are spiritual. And I'm not denying the fact that God's knowledge is spiritual. Because the first thing we have to understand about God's knowledge and God's will is that it is spiritual and it does go beyond our natural intellect. That is a true statement. I'm not denying that. I'm not saying uh, that for us to know God's will is only for Him to reveal it to us in our natural thinking, in our natural uh, mental process. What I'm saying is, is that God's thinking is spiritual. So that is why Paul is praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, wisdom and understanding. That spirit of wisdom and understanding helps you get past natural intellect. Let me give you an example. You're going in as a, as a business owner, and you're going into a business proposition. And you're wanting to know, God, is, is this your will? Is this what you want? I, I just want to do, this business is yours. My hands are yours. Everything I'm doing with this business is yours. And I have this proposition in front of me. In the natural, it seems good. In the natural, it seems right. But I need to know, is there something that I don't know that I need to know before I go into this? And God will reveal those things to you. And He'll reveal to you, in your spirit... That, yes, this is a business proposition that I have set up for you, or no. It may look good on the outside, and it may seem right to you naturally, but down the road, it's going to hurt you. Down the road, it's going to cause problems. Down the road, this other person is going to do this. Who knows? And that's just on a daily, daily basis. That's just on a daily basis of being able to have supernatural wisdom and supernatural knowledge Beyond our natural intellect. Knowing the will of God. I'm not saying that the will of God is only natural and is only going to be revealed to you in the natural. 
Because on the inside, that business partner may seem like the perfect man to get set up with. But supernaturally, God will reveal to you, this is not something you want to enter in. This is not something that you want to join with. And God will be able to supernaturally show you that. Let's look at another passage that reads almost the same way. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. This is again Paul writing to the churches. And he's talking about praying for the churches. And he says, For this reason also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with what? The knowledge of his will. There you go. I mean, why are we, why are we keeping ourselves out of something that Paul is praying that we'll have more knowledge in? And we act like the will of God is, is so high and so deep and, and we don't have access to it. And Paul is saying right here, I'm praying that you will know. Be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Not natural, spiritual. Why is it important to know God's will? Verse 10. That you make walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Those sound like some really good reasons to know God's will. I mean, look at that again. Verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord. How many of you want to walk worthy of the Lord on a daily basis in everything you do? Okay. Fully pleasing Him. If you want to be pleasing to God, you need to know His will. Being fruitful in every good work. Everything that you put your hand to, it prospers. Everything that you put your hand to, it's effective and productive for the kingdom of God. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Knowing God's will will help you increase in the knowledge of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live this life based on my own natural intellect. I don't want to live this life based on only what I know, limited to my natural mentality and just what I can store up and stuff in my brain. I want to go beyond that. I mean, we all know that we're, we're not in this thing naturally. The real you is the spirit man on the inside of you. So there's some things that God wants to reveal to us to help us walk this life out and to be fully pleasing, to walk worthy of the Lord, and to have everything that we put our hand to prosper and be effective and productive for the kingdom. And that requires us to get past our natural capacity, our natural ability to think and perceive and understand things. That's why Paul is praying for spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding. God's will is in the spirit realm. So we need to find a way to access the spirit realm. The first point that we need to make is knowing that God's knowledge goes beyond our natural intellect. That's the first thing we understand. Okay? And then once we get past that, now we need to find where are the sources. How do we access the spiritual? How do we access how do we know God's will in the spirit realm if we're in the natural realm? Those are our next questions. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. God wants us to know His will. I mean, you, you think back to Genesis 1.26, and um, you know, you, you've heard me say it, I have a hard time preaching anything without pointing to the kingdom, because the kingdom is why Jesus came. The kingdom is why we're here. And we are here as God's ambassadors. We are here with the responsibility of doing God's work in the earth. 
Well, it seems to me like if I'm working for someone else, that knowing their will would be pretty important. I mean, take your jobs, for example. If you have an employer, if you work for somebody, it might help you to know their will for you in that job. I mean, if I go into to work in a clothing store and I want to work that like I'm working in a, in a pharmacy, I'm going to have some problems. Or if I go in there just wanting to work based on my own will, on my own natural ability. So what do they do? Training. Orientation. A few weeks of probation, maybe. Why? They're wanting to get you to understand what you're doing for them. Because you're not working for yourself. Or we're not working for ourselves. We're not in this earth for ourselves. We're in this earth doing God's will. So it seems to me it would be pretty important to know His will. It would be pretty important to know if it's His will to send my kids to this school or to go to this church or to take this job. Those are important because that is your area of influence for the kingdom of God. So here's the first way that God spiritually reveals His will to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of, this, none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So that, that right there is telling us that God had a plan before the beginning of time. He knew what was going to take place. He had a plan. He had it processed out. He had a will and intent. Verse 9, But as it is written, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So man doesn't know. Man can't see it naturally. Man can't understand it naturally. But look at what verse 10 says. But God has what? Revealed. Revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So even the things that we consider deep, even the things we consider beyond our ability to understand, His Spirit is ready and willing to reveal those things to us. Look at this in verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man, except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God, Accept the Spirit of God. Let me paraphrase that real quick. That can seem kind of confusing. What he's saying there is, right now, all of us, we have a thought process going on. And you're the only one who knows that. Your spirit, your man on the inside. You could be thinking about lunch. You could be thinking about getting ready for work tomorrow. You could be thinking about what we're preaching about. You could be thinking about anything right now. I don't know it. Nobody around you knows it. But only you know it on the inside. So, the same goes for God. Only one person knows what God is thinking. Only, only one person knows what God uh, is, is processing. What His will and His intent is. Who is that? The Holy Spirit. He's the only one. So, I mean, think about it. Jesus even said, I don't even know when the end's coming. 
even the Son doesn't know when he's being sent to the earth to take, take up the church. Why? Because God knows. And his Spirit knows. Now here's the great thing about it. God has taken his Spirit, placed him inside your Spirit, and he's there ready to reveal God's knowledge to you. So the first way, the first way these things are revealed to us, the first way God's will is revealed to us is by His Holy Spirit. God reveals His will to man by His Holy Spirit. And His Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Remember what Jesus said in, a, in John right before He was about to go? And He was telling His disciples, you know, it's, it's more necessary for me to go. It's more important. It's better for you that I go. Why? So I can send to you my spirit. See, the only way man could know God's will on the earth when Jesus was here was by Jesus doing it and by Jesus showing it and by Jesus saying it. And everywhere he went, he was saying, this is the will of my Father. This is the will of my Father in heaven. I don't do anything on my own initiative. I don't do anything that I want to do. I do what the Father wants me to do. And that's how man knew God's will. But now Jesus says, it's better for me that I go because now my Holy Spirit that I'm going to send you, the helper, the teacher, the guide, he'll reveal all things to you. He'll bring things to your remembrance. This is what Jesus was saying about the Holy Spirit. And now that Spirit lives inside of you. So you can put it this way. The Spirit that knows God's mind and knows God's will lives inside of you to reveal to you God's mind and God's will. Paul said, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. That's exciting. That's exciting to know that I don't have to go through life in a guessing game. I don't have to go through life always asking if. I don't have to go through life always wondering, is this what God wants me to do? Is this where he wants me to go? Is this who he wants me to hook up with? Is this who he wants me to talk to? We don't have to ask those questions. We can ask His Spirit, and His Spirit is ready to reveal those things to us. So that's the first way. Let me show you the second way. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Is this good? Amen. This is something that we all deal with on a daily basis. I mean, this is something you can use tomorrow when you're at your house, when you're, when you're getting ready for work. When you're going to work, in your daily dealings, this is stuff we can use. This is what this is what the church ought to be doing. The church needs to know God's will. The church needs to get out of this posture of we can't know and we can't understand and he's higher than us. Yes, he's higher, but he's asking us to come up to that level. I'm not saying he's going to reveal everything to you. Next week we're going to talk about the mystery. We're going to talk about why things are mysterious and talk about why things are hidden. But I'm going to tell you right now, things are not hidden so you can't find them. Things are hidden so you can find them. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. But today I want to focus on wisdom. I want to focus on spiritual understanding. And look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I'm going to straighten out a few things here with this verse. First of all, that word prove. You see that word prove, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That word prove, translated, means to allow. To allow. Let's read it that way. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may allow what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How many of you want to allow the will of God in your life? We all do. So let me make this statement. How much of God's will you allow to live by? How much of God's will we allow in our lives that we live by hinges on how much we allow the Word to transform our lives? How much of God's will you live by on a daily basis, how much of God's will you understand is determined by how much you allow the Word to transform your life. See, I, I get confronted you know, by people sometimes that they want to know God's will. I, you know, I just want to know. I just don't seem to understand. I, mean, I, I want to know what God's plan is for me. But they're not in His Word. And they're not living by His Word. And this verse directly tells me that my life is determined by the transformation of the Word. If you want to know and understand God's will in your life, you need to get in and know and understand God's Word. How much of God's will you allow in your life is determined, hinges upon, how much of God's Word you're transformed by. So we need to allow the Word to do its work. Now here's the other thing I want to I want to help you out with. Uh, Brent, if you could throw that verse back up for me. Verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. And we're going to look at the end of this verse because there's been some discretion here in how we interpret this. And it says here that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I just want to throw this out there because when we get to God's will, sometimes we want to try uh, to make exceptions or try to uh, uh, try to show that we're really in God's will when we're not. And so, I don't know, some of you may have heard of this before, but people, there are people that preach and people that say that there's three levels to God's will. There's a good will, there's an acceptable will, and then there's a perfect will. Well, I may not be in God's perfect will, but at least I'm in His good will. I may not be in His perfect will. I may not be walking in God's perfect will for my life, but at least I'm in His acceptable. I'm going to help you out today because those are three words that describe one will of God. Three words that describe one will. It would be like me pointing to my truck and saying, it's big, it's black, and it's fast. It's all three of those things. It's not one or the other. See, God's will is good. 
God's will is acceptable and God's will is perfect. And so we've taken this and when we know that we're maybe not doing something exactly, I mean, I remember I would talk, you know, coming out of Bible school, um, you know, and every few years we go back, they do a homecoming thing. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know God's will for people's lives. I, I can't go and say you're supposed to be doing this, or you're supposed to be doing that. But, you know, there's just something that's inside of you. You go back ten years later and you see the same people in the same city. Tulsa, Oklahoma is just the flocking grounds. And, and you go to school there and it's, it's awesome. It's great and it's great to go back. There's a ton of churches there. There's a ton of word there. I mean, Rhema is a great place to be hooked up. But when God tells you to go somewhere, you just wonder how many of them are being disobedient. And I was talking with one guy, and, and he told me, well, I'm not in God's perfect will, but, you know, at least I'm here at Rhema, and I'm serving, and, and I'm doing my thing. You've been there for ten years. Did God tell you to go to a city and pastor a church? Did God tell you to get on the road and travel? Did God tell you to hook up with another ministry and, and run with another man's vision? And we're just being disobedient because it gets it takes us out of our comfort zone, or uh, it, we, we, there's so many things that we can't see and so many intangibles we don't know what's going to happen. And so we want to say, "Well, I'm not in this perfect world." But it is no, you're not. There's one will of God for your life, and we need to find that out. We need to get in there. I mean, I know when when when. Uh, when I when I left Oklahoma, I, I left Oklahoma abruptly. Um, I actually was planning on staying, and I was serving. I didn't have direction into what I was supposed to do, but I was serving with the junior high youth ministry, and um, I was just going to stay in Tulsa until I heard something different. Um, and my dad in the Air Force ended up going, having to go to overseas, having to go to Afghanistan. And um, that fall, I graduated in May, and that summer he got the call. He got deployed to go to Afghanistan, and um, he was going to be there for about 8 to 12 months. And um, that would have left my mom by herself. And so, uh, you know, kind of hesitantly, to be honest with you, I, I, I left Oklahoma. I mean, I was, uh, you, all, you all know Pastor Marcus. Him and I were in a band, and we were playing different shows around town. Um, I was serving in the junior high ministry, uh, playing drums there as well, going to Rama, um, working a job. I mean, you know, I thought I was okay. And I was just going to wait and see what happens. And um, I, I, I went home to Texas. And I got hooked up with my church. I mean, I had a church back there, obviously. And I just went back to Texas and got hooked up playing drums again for my old church and, and serving and leadership and doing the whole thing. Um, and that was about September, the fall of that year. And then the next spring, in April, um, and, and I'll be honest with you, it's a crazy story how I even got to where, I am, where I'm at today, how I got to Florida or any of that. But um, with Pastor Marcus, uh, for some reason, we stayed in touch. I don't know why. To this day, I really don't know why. He he worked at a uh, he worked at a college bookstore. I know why now, but in the in the thick of it, you're like, why am I still talking to this guy? I mean, I've moved. I, you know, there's no going back to Oklahoma and 
You know, I, there, I had tons of friends from Rhema that moved back to California, moved back to other cities, moved back where they're from, or even stayed in Oklahoma. Um, and I didn't keep in touch with hardly any of them. But Marcus, for some reason. And um, so he was finishing up his second year. We were a year apart at Raymond. He was finishing up his second year. And so he, um, we just stayed in touch. Uh, he worked at a college bookstore. And um, it was probably the laziest job in the world. He, he'll tell you that. Uh, he wore swim trunks to this job. That tells you. And uh, so he was just always on the Internet. And back then, uh, instant messaging was the big deal. Um, you know, you didn't have text messaging on your phone. If it did, you probably cost like 30 cents a text or something, you know. So it's not like today. But um, instant messaging was a big deal. And so he would just sit all day on his computer, uh, you know, with instant messenger up, you know, while he's at job. And so if I was at home or whatever, you know, we'd talk online and just talk about things. He was still doing music, still going to Rama, still doing all that. And then uh, in April... So this is, you know, about eight months after I have moved from Oklahoma. He just one day calls me up out of nowhere um, and just says, Hey, uh, my youth pastor went to Florida to start a church. Um, and I knew, I knew Pastor Rod met him a couple times in Oklahoma um, when he was youth pastor in there. And um, he said, you know, Pastor Earl's going to Florida to start a church. And I think I'm going to go out there to be his worship pastor. And, and Marcus at the time was actually debating it himself. He had actually told Pastor Earl he was going to go, and then he backed out because he wanted to travel and play music, and then he got back in. Um, so he just, you know, because we had played music together, we had, he was, uh, knew I could play the drums, and so he said, hey, why don't you come and be my drummer? And, um, you know, obviously you know you want to go into ministry, you know you're called to ministry, so it might be good for you to see a church being planted from the ground up. And um, I was like, wow, Florida. I mean, I never thought I'd be going to Florida for, for anything. And um, there's so many little details in here. It's just phenomenal how everything gets lined up. But, um, you know, I took that and I said, hmm, okay. And, and I knew Marcus. Again, I knew Pastor Earl a little bit. So I, I knew the people I was hooking up with. I didn't know anything about Anchor Faith. And um, so I kind of prayed about it for a couple of days. I talked to my parents and they were excited about it. Uh, my dad had just gotten back. Um, I think he got back early April from Afghanistan, and now I'm getting ready to go right back out. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I thought their initial impression would have been, you know, no, you don't need to go there. Are you sure? Uh, they've always backed me up in everything I've done in ministry, period. Um, but I just thought there might have been a little hesitancy there. Um, and they were all about it. So I was like, well, that's weird. So, you know, I, I prayed about it for a couple of days, and I called him back, and I said, yeah, I think I think I might do that. And it wasn't a try it out. I mean, I knew if I'm going, this is what God wants me to do. I'm not going there for a couple of years, and uh, I knew this was it. This was where I'm going to get my training to, to, to see a church build from the ground up and, and learn something. And so I, uh, Pastor Earl called me. Marcus gave him my number, and uh, he called me and said, I heard you want to come out and hook with us. We, we talked for about an hour on the phone, discussing vision, what he's doing there, the whole plan and everything. And um, So I did it. And it ended up moving. And then, then there's so many details in there where I could have backed out and I could have said, I'm already serving with the church. 
I'm in Texas, which is where I thought I would end up anyways. At this point, up until just a few years ago, actually, I thought I was going back to Texas. I was going to start a church there. And um, so, uh, you know, there were so many there were so many things I could have said. Maybe that's the perfect will. Maybe that's the acceptable. But because I knew that I could know God's will, because I knew, because I had trainings, I had people tell me, there's no guessing game. There's no if. And there's a peace on the inside. And to move 13, 1400 miles across the nation to a place I've never been before, to hook up with people that I really don't know all that well, except for Marcus, and I'm taking his word on it, you know, in that sense. I mean, I didn't do anything with Pastor Earl. I didn't know what he did with his youth ministry. Obviously, he did great things there. Uh, grew it up to almost 200 teenagers on a Wednesday night. But, um, you know, I didn't know all those things. But just being led by the Spirit. I wasn't led by Marcus. I wasn't led by a person. I was led by the Spirit of God. You know, there are people right now that are praying about moving here. That I know. And they know us. And I'm very careful. Very careful to talk to people. Uh, there's even people that I know that, that just on the inside I know they'd be a good fit here. They could hook up with us. Uh, they're down in St. Augustine right now. And, man, they could do it. But God's got to talk to them. I, I don't want to be the draw. And Marcus knew he could come to me because he knew I wasn't going to be led by a person. Especially when you're moving close to 1,500 miles across. The, it's different when you're going from you know one state to... But to Florida, the whole other crop of land, uh, a whole different territory, you got to know by God. But you know what? I had His Spirit living inside of me. And the Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to me His will, wants to reveal to me His intentions for my life. I know another thing. Romans chapter 12 too says that if I conform to the word and not to the world, if I allow the word to transform my mind, then I will be able to allow God's will to take place in my life. I will allow His good, acceptable, and perfect will for my life to take place. That's how I knew. Now look at this. James chapter 1 verse 5. James chapter 1, verse 5. Wisdom is the key here. And when we talk about wisdom, you've got to know, we're not talking about natural wisdom. I'm sure we can all think of a man in the Bible that prayed for wisdom. His name was King Solomon. And he had much to say about wisdom. But wisdom is a supernatural ability given to you by God. I'm not talking about being wise in your own eyes. I'm not talking about being wise according to natural standards. So look what James has to say. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Which means he's, he's generously and he's not stingy with it. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. 
He is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. So if you are lacking wisdom in your life, if you are lacking the supernatural ability to have understanding, to understand God's supernatural will, all he says to do is ask. Can you think of someone in the Bible that asked? Well, we just said it. King Solomon. What did he do? He asked for wisdom. God wants you to have wisdom because he wants you to understand and know his will. He wants that for his people. He needs that for his people. So we ask for wisdom. It's freely given to God, uh, freely given to man by God, because wisdom is the key to understanding His will. Now the key is you have to ask in faith. When you ask for wisdom, when you ask for anything from God, but specifically here the verse says to ask in faith. Don't doubt. You can't ask for wisdom and say. Well, I don't know, because what does that take us right back to? That takes us out of what wisdom does for us. I mean, the whole reason we're asking wisdom is so we can get away from the I don't know. The whole reason we're asking for wisdom is to get away from the well if. So when you ask for wisdom, don't go back to, well, I don't know, or well if. If God wants me to know, then he'll reveal it to me. God wants you to know. It is revealed to you. He wants you to find it. He wants you to seek it out. Now, I want to close with this in Proverbs. And I'm just going to kind of go through these verses. Um, I just kind of want to show you the value of wisdom in our lives. Proverbs was written by King Solomon. He knew a little bit about wisdom. And actually there's... Seventy-six times wisdom is mentioned in this book, in this chapter. Or, yeah, in this book. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and in all your getting, get understanding. Wisdom comes first. Wisdom is priority. That's what principle means. It's the first thing. If you get wisdom, everything else will fall behind it. Proverbs chapter 5 verse 1 says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding. What's that mean, give attention to? That means place value on. Give attention to it. When you give attention to something, you're, there's a value that's placed. It's, it's taken first place. It's become the principal thing. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 10, Receive my instruction and not silver, Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Now he's starting to talk about the worth and the value of wisdom and understanding. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 16. How much better, how much better to get wisdom than gold. To get understanding is to be chosen Rather than silver. Wisdom is more valuable than natural riches. Wisdom will help you get natural riches. When you use God's wisdom, He will supply the wealth. He'll show you how to get it the right way, His way, and how to use it properly. That's why wisdom is more valuable. Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. 
He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Wisdom will actually guard your path. See, that's where a lot of people have questions. Is this the path God's, God wants me on? Well, if he wants me to know, he'll show it to me. Is this God's will for my life? And he's saying right here that wisdom, when you have God's wisdom, it'll help you stay on the path. It'll help keep you on the path. It'll help guard you away, uh, guard you from things that try to pull you away from the path. That's what wisdom will do. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 19. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths were broken up. And the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, let, not, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So there will be life to your soul, grace to your neck. You will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. Wisdom provides safety. Wisdom provides guidance. That's what this wisdom, this is what Paul was praying for the churches. That you may have all wisdom and understanding in the knowledge of him. That you may have wisdom, spiritual wisdom. Last verse, Proverbs 19, verse 8. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. Look, if you love your life, and if you love the fact that you have the ability to walk out God's will for your life, get wisdom. Wisdom comes to those that want to know God's will. Wisdom is necessary for those that want to understand God's ways. I'm tired of walking through life with this mentality that God's ways are higher than my ways. And we'll look at that verse. Because it's in the Bible. But we need to put it in context. We need to look at who is talking. Who is saying it. And God's ways being higher than our ways does not withhold us from what God wants us to know. And God's Spirit is the first way that He reveals to us His will. And conforming our, wor- our lives to the Word, not the world, allowing the Word to transform our lives by the renewing of our mind, is how we allow the will of God to take place in our lives. Do we have anyone here that wants to allow God's will in your life? You want to allow Him in, in everything, in, in raising your kids, in where to go to school, in what job to take. We need to know these things. And what friends to have. I want to know God's will. Because there may be some friends that I think are friendly that may not be very friendly at all. I want to know God's will. He can reveal that to us. Amen? Well, Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you that your will, your knowledge is obtainable, Father. You have... You have revealed it to us. You've made it known to us. And so, Father, this morning, I thank you that we allow your Spirit to reveal those things to us. That we allow your Spirit to speak to us. That we will be led. You said those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So, Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is 
is revealing those things to us in our spirit. That we're not trying to figure it out naturally. We're not trying to, 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 to go through life just on our own mental capacity, Father. But I thank you that we desire to know supernatural truths, the supernatural will of God in a supernatural way in our spirit, man. Father, I thank you for every person that's here this morning and that we put into practice what we've heard, that we walk out of here doers of the word, applying the word in our lives and allowing the will of God to, to, to be birthed within us. No longer will we ask if. No longer will we ask, well, I don't know or, or is it God's will for me to know or does he want to show me or if he wants to show me. But Father, I thank you that we will learn to be governed by your word, be led by your spirit, and wisdom will reveal to us your will. In Jesus' name, amen.